Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. A lot going on in the world of USC athletics. We're going to talk about all of that today on the Peristyle Podcast. There's a little USC basketball thing going on. We got a you look at the website right now. We are got lots of basketball coverage up there. But of course, it's uscfootball.com. We got to talk about football because spring practice starts on Tuesday. That's tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday, March 29th. March 30th is the official start of USC spring football. So we're going to talk about that with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for the show, send us an email podcast at uscfootball.com. Say you want it for Harvey Hyde or for myself or Keely or whoever you want to send the email to forward over to us and uh, let us know. And we would love to read it on the air. You could also call our text or text us at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. If you have the Apple Podcasting app on your iPhone or any of your devices, we really appreciate a follow, a five star rating. They're not calling it subscribe anymore; they're calling it follow. But follow us, uh, the Parastyle Podcast. Five star rating. Any kind of reviews, comments, questions you have, we love that too. But just leave us some five stars. That really does help grow the show. And I love growing the show with the coach talking to him every week. Coach Harvey Hyde, how are you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great. And before we get started, I want to wish everybody, if you, uh, you know, if you're out there, a happy uh, Easter with your family and friends. Be safe out there. We're starting to uh, make an improvement here and keep our fingers crossed. We might be back to a normal year now. We all look forward to that. I am looking forward to a more normal year and uh, maybe abnormal right now with USC basketball because. As of we are speaking, uh, USC destroyed Oregon last night. Uh, beat them by 14. Could have been worse And uh, on on Sunday night. And they will take on the number one overall seed, Gonzaga, to for a shot at the uh, Final Four. The last time USC was in the Elite Eight was way back in 2001. Um, so it's been a minute. USC and UCLA are in, it, are in the Elite Eight for the first time ever. And Oregon State's in there, too. So three Pac-12 teams, uh, they certainly... Had represented the conference well, and only two losses for the Pac-12, and one of them is to another Pac-12 team. That was Oregon losing to USC. But like I said, there's a ton of coverage up on the site. Make sure you go check it out. And uh, Shotgun Spratling's been doing some great Heard It on the Sidelines podcast. He's actually in Indianapolis right now covering uh, the Trojans there. So, uh, you know, follow all the stuff he's doing. has been great. There's photos, there's videos, there's analysis, there's tons of articles. we got tons of stuff going up on the basketball team, but spring football starts tomorrow. And that's what we want to talk about uh, with coach Harvey Hyde. Or, or did you want to throw any basketball thoughts before we jump into spring football coach? Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. Do you think the uh, success of the basketball program, which I'm so excited about, okay. Especially the PAC 12, as far as getting national exposure, I really feel bad that SC had to play Oregon. I'd like to see all four of them in there. But uh, do you think the success of USC basketball will put more pressure on Clay Helton to have the same type of program? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it's sort of one of those rising tides lifts all boats. I feel like it gives the university and the athletic department some momentum having a major sport with that kind of success. And even, you know, if they can make a run at Gonzaga, I think it helps. I think the pressure on Clay Helton is always there. It's always going to be there. Uh, There's just too many fans that do not support um, the Clay Helton regime and anything short of going to a playoff. I think it's going to be hard for him to win some of those people over, but you know, I feel like that's something that, um, you know, it, it doesn't hurt the football program for sure. Uh, it's great to get more notoriety. Uh, it's great to have some success in a major sport. It's great to be at Oregon at something since you know, on football that hasn't really happened. 
Uh, and maybe it gives the, the football team some more confidence. So it, I, I'm really curious to see what they do this spring, Coach. But I, I feel like the pressure is just always going to be there on Clay Helton, good or bad at basketball or not. Well, I agree with you because USC has been known by for football. It really has been. And it's always great to see the other programs do so well. But I think that it uh, gives uh, a people another feeling of expectation. As far as now, basketball has done it. Now let's see football do it. It can be done. So I would think it would help motivate my players. I know I would try to use that as motivating my players. I certainly did at UNLV when I coached because of the success of Jerry Tarkanian's basketball program. I would try to use that momentum and take them to the games, obviously, which can't happen this year, to see the enthusiasm and how people feel about winning and the importance of winning, and the pride of winning, and the respect the players will have on campus uh, when the students come back. All of that is something that you can utilize as far as stimulating your kids in your program. You know, that's a really good point, Coach. I didn't even think about it. When you're coaching a football team, uh, it's sort of like you're, you're Andy Enfield. You're, you're coaching a basketball team at a football school. Uh, if you're Chip Kelly, you're coaching a football team at a basketball school. You had a you were coaching a football team and you had like this crazy, you know, Tark was going absolutely bananas and winning, you know, every game that they played, and it was like like a NBA team out there. I, I you would have a better perspective of anyone of what kind of pressure that puts on the other sport that's not having as much success in that area. No, it did. It, uh, and also, it starts to put more pressure on the basketball program, too. When the football program starts to arrive, then there's another uh, uh, person in the house. Uh, you just had another baby, another brother. And there's competition when the little baby comes along. So I think it helps both programs as far as developing pride and stimulating both to want to be number one. And I think it's good for universities to be good in all sports. Uh, and I think it helps the environment and the co- competitiveness even among the programs within the athletic department as far as they're winning, we've got to win. And we've got to maintain the same standards that they maintain. Otherwise, uh, I'll be gone. So I think that's a real healthy type of thing to happen. And, you know, you bring up the athletic department, Coach, too. I feel that is something that's going to help uh, Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna because this is – a success for the athletic department. Um, they brought, you know, they, they were able to make a historic run in the NCAA tournament. It gives them a little bit more cachet, I guess you could say with the fan base, like, Hey, things are getting uh, better. Um, you know, it's good if Olympic sports do well, but this is a major sport. You know, if USC baseball went on some crazy run, the basketball team did. I think that helps the athletic department, which, in turn helps the football team because, you know, maybe a little less pressure on uh, just football having to carry the torch all by themselves. So I, I feel like the athletic department, Mike Bowen, they needed some wins. Uh, they were big, the big loss was the retention of Clay Helton. Everybody hated it. That was not, you know, that was something that was a hole that they had dug. And for, you know, we talked about many times, they have to kind of slowly climb out of it. Having the basketball team go to the elite eight, I think, is something that helps you climb out of that even a little bit more. It does. And I'll tell you, when I went to UNLV as the head football coach, basketball was the thing, okay? The Thomas and Mac, Jerry Tarkanian, the running rebels, and I used that momentum. And I said, this is this school, yeah, we want it to be known as a basketball school, but also a football power. So I utilized the exposure from basketball to help me with our football program and we were able to go out and we recruit greater players. We raised the level maybe too quickly as far as competing in the uh, conference we did. It was the Big West at that time. And uh, my second year, we competed for a bowl game. My third year, we went to a bowl game. And at that time, there weren't a lot of bowl games. We were 11-2 and two my third year. And it just got the momentum going where it was a basketball school and still has that reputation, which it hadn't been the last couple of years. But we were also being thought of as also a football school within the conference and nationally as far as recruiting. So I just think when you compete among your own department at the same time, I think it helps you compete against your opponents. Yeah, no, good points, Coach. 
Um, all right. Well, let's switch over to spring football like I talked about. It will begin. USC's 2021 spring football practice, Tuesday, March 30th. So it's going to go five straight weeks, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 325 p.m. starts during the weekdays and 1125 p.m. I mean, uh, a.m. on the weekends, on Saturdays. The spring game is going to be in the middle of all that. uh, April 17th, 1 p.m. in the Coliseum. And right now, all the practices are going to be held on Howard Jones, Brian Kennedy Field, except for April 6th, which is Saturday, and then April 17th. Um, both those practices are going to be in the Coliseum. Um, the USC's campus, though, is still closed to visitors. So practices are, the, the, are going to be closed to the public. They are going to allow media to attend uh, twice a week, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Um, it's limited. We're not sure how that's going to work yet. We can film like the very beginning of practice and then, you know, that'll be it. We're going to be like up on a roof. Uh, checking things out from the aquatic center uh, on the that's the north end of Howard Jones Field, and uh, so it's a first come first serve basis. We got to fill out like a a Trojan check uh, to make you know it's an online wellness assessment the morning that we come in there. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different. They'll do temperature checks, and uh, you know got to wear a face mask the whole time. Uh, supposed to be socially distant. So all that kind of stuff um, we're going to be doing there. So we'll let you know, you know, what we can see. Um, it's definitely going to be different, but you know, we didn't get to cover practices like this at all um, during the fall when they were having practices. Now we can. Um, so, you know, this is going to be uh, a different kind of spring football, but it's going to be a little bit closer to um you know, what we're, what we're used to. And as far as interviews go, usually we could interview players after practice. Now they'll be done uh, zoom calls in the morning. So really just going there to observe and check out what's going on. And we'll have, you know, some sort of information from players, coaches, things like that uh, on uh, the, the morning of those practices. So that's my little preamble of what's going on, coach. What, what do you think about spring football 2021? Well, I tell you, I, I sort of like what they're doing if if they do some of the drills in front of us because we're able to really watch the drills better when we're up in the air and people aren't standing in front of us and we're not all in one location. I sort of like spreading us out, but I also would like to see some of the drills move down our way because basically we may be able to watch the offensive linemen more than we ever watched them before because they were the furthest away from us from where we were we were where we were covering the team before, and we will see the quarterbacks a lot better as far as their passing drills up on the north side of the field. But if they were to move some of the drills down, it would be really fabulous. You'll be able to see, I think, the scrimmages more too, but you'll have an end zone view and you'll be able to see all 11 players, not just our sideline on who we can see. So it could be positive, and I think it's great because it'll spread us out a little bit more and give us a little bit of a a better angle. So I'm looking forward to it on Saturday. I won't be going uh, on Tuesday. They're going to be in helmets and shirts uh, that day anyway. So on Saturday, they should be in full gear. So I'm hoping I'm able uh, to be there and uh, get in because I understand there's going to be a limited amount of people they are going to let in too, Ryan. So if you don't see me up there, I'm outside handcuffed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, Coach, but yeah, they're, since campus is still closed, there's they're basically making exceptions for us to be able to go. So we appreciate that. Um, and for the spring showcase, April seventeenth, like I said, it'll be one p.m. It's going to be live on the Pac-12 network. As of now, they still do not know if fans are going to be able to attend. So it's going to depend on the the county and the state health protocols. We'll know more uh, later on. So they're waiting for um, some kind of guidance on that from uh, from the local officials and the statewide, you know, officials, health officials. But considering we just moved down into a new tier, there's indoor dining and stuff, there's gyms. I feel like, you know, we're, there, you'll be able to attend baseball games. It seems like we're going the right direction for that. So my guess is in the next couple of weeks, we'll know Um, you know, so basically it's essentially, you know, two and a half weeks away, the spring game, probably going to know something soon, but I I assume there's going to be some amount of fans allowed in the Coliseum, which would be great to see coach. 
I do too. I think they can. You know, we've got a huge arena in there, and really not that many show up. Normally, it's good crowds were fifteen thousand, eighteen thousand, and I'm not sure that they're going to allow that many in anyway. But they're probably season ticket holders, or they'll have some criteria as far as getting in, suite holders, whatever their criteria uh, criteria must be. And in the press box for the spring game, we never had many people up there anyway, Ryan. So. I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't even see you as far as there being in the press box. So I think that'll be a great advantage for us as far as the media watching the game. Yeah, no, I think that'll be great to to see. And it's sort of like a trial run for what things are going to be like in the fall. Obviously, the health conditions are probably going to be a lot different, but we're hoping things keep opening up. And uh, we hope we're hopeful that there'll be fans in the Coliseum again on April 17th to watch the Trojans in the spring showcase. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to all that. We also have uh, some new numbers uh, USC posted um, for the new players. I'll go over those with you. So two quarterbacks, uh, Jackson Dart is going to wear number two, and uh, Miller Moss is going to wear number six. Uh, receiver Michael Jackson uh, is wearing number 13. Uh, defensive back safety Anthony Beavers, he's coming in wearing number 15. Uh, the senior transfer, KD Nixon from Colorado, He's going to wear Tyler Vaughn's old uh, jersey, uh, number 21. You're going to see number 21, um, a little di- different uh, style of a receiver, so it'll be different to watch that out there. Uh, the linebacker, Julian Simons, coming in num- wearing number 24. Uh, Brandon Campbell, uh, running back, he'll wear number 25. Kalen Bullock, uh, another safety, he's going to come in wearing number 27. Zamarian Gordon, yet another safety, he'll wear number 28. Um, also wearing number 28, uh, Keontae Ingram, the transfer running back. He'll be wearing number 28 as well. Uh, Xavier Alford, uh, transfer safety. He's going to wear number 29 transfer defensive lineman, Ishmael Softshire. He's going to be wearing number 42 tight end Lake McCree coming in number 87. And then defensive lineman Jay Toya is now wearing number 93. So just let you know. Those are the new numbers uh, Trojans will be wearing out there this spring. And I think if you look at the pattern of the numbering now, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but I was listening to you and I saw it when they were assigned them. I, uh, to me, it looks as though they're making it more difficult for the offense to read the defenses. When you have all your safeties and now you have some of your defensive ends and down linemen and 40s and 20 numbers, all numbers, it's hard for you as a quarterback distinguish and read and see who's where and playing what rather than always the defensive linemen being 70 or defensive ends uh, 80s or whatever they might be 93s so I think on the uh, defensive side I think that's being done deliberately as far as making it harder for a quarterback to read the defenses because of the numbering Uh, there's not a different uh, number where you can distinctly look at it and say okay that's where he is so uh, I think that's smart. And if it's been done that way on purpose, then I, I really think that's a great idea, and I think it's going to work. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, maybe we can ask about that, Coach. I didn't, haven't heard that, but maybe that's uh, part of the reason. Yeah, but there was a whole bunch of, from 24 to 29, almost every number taken by def- new defensive backs coming into the program. Um, all right, well, we're going to do a little kind of quick breakdown of each position group, kind of get your thoughts on there was coach back in a minute and we'll uh, break down all the position groups. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast. We got to talk about the position groups for spring football. That's starting on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on uh, Monday and we got to start with the quarterbacks coach. Um, Keaton Slovis is back. Uh, he's still only a sophomore, but you know, this could be his final year. Uh, there, you've added Mo Hassan, uh, the, uh, senior transfer from Vanderbilt. He was actually, I talked to Clay Helton before he was given a scholarship heading into last year. So he's not a counter, uh, as a redshirt senior, uh, on the, for the scholarship, but two tre- freshmen, Miller Moss and Jackson Dart. Um, no more Matt Fink. He's, he's gone, but this is Slovis' show, obviously, and we want to see if he can throw the football with the same sort of moxie he did uh, in 2019. Just 
some some great throws in 2020, but some bad ones too. So he had mostly good throws in the pro day. If you watched our video, him throwing the football to Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, you know Tyler Vaughn's. So it looks like he's back. You know, he, he's done some interviews talking about you know uh, being more stable in his lower body and and just uh, you know delivering the football more accurately and, and a little better with a little more zip on it. So I'm curious to what that's that's what we want to see, Coach. But you also want to see how these these freshmen look, uh, you know, working to to back them up. Moson probably going to be the backup. He's got experience, but having the two freshmen is interesting. And then obviously, can Slovis get back to his old form? Well, first of all, I just want to mention that at the pro day, uh, Keaton was out there throwing the football around the lot, so that might uh, solve our question as far as is he all right? Now he threw a lot of balls. A lot of his deep balls, maybe they had a little float on them, and he didn't want to throw too hard. But he's out there, and he's throwing. So if he did have, and some rumors said he had some type of small surgery or something on his shoulder, I can't substantiate that. I have no proof or know that. But he threw a lot of balls. He probably threw 100 balls out there on the last Wednesday as far as pro day was concerned. And uh, so I think that answered a question there. As far as the quarterback situation, this kid that transferred from Vanderbilt, uh, I don't know how good he is. I know the team at Vanderbilt was not very good, and uh, but I think it's good to have him as far as experience. But I think really when you look at it, if I'm the football coach now, and I don't know any of these players, but I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to give my freshmen the turns. i got to see them, okay? Because I've got to give them every doubt or one of them is going to transfer on me. So i got to find out who's the best. The team wants to know who's the best. In fact, they might even rest Kendon a little bit in the spring as far as giving more turns to the quarterbacks, to three quarterbacks, to find out who the backup is going to be and see how good uh, Hassan is a uh, Vanderbilt transfer to know just where we are in that depth chart. I don't question Keaton as far as the depth chart. I'm going to let him work with the ones and ones and a half, maybe most of the time, so they become very familiar with themselves. And they form this relationship as far as with the quarterback and the new receivers or who's going to be number one, but that's the relationship that's really important. But the number one thing i got to do, too, is to find out who, who the quarterback competition is going to be with the young kids. But these kids are both going to come in. They're going to be very competitive. They're going to really go after each other. They're both competitors. And they're both great players. So I've got to make sure that I'm able to give them every opportunity in the spring uh, to improve themselves and become acquainted with the offense and get to know the receivers and the breaks and everything that's going on so they don't hesitate themselves as far as the reads when it comes to live drills. So that's where I feel as far as I'm not picking out one better than the other or any of that. I'm just giving it as a head coach uh, my perspective as far as looking at the quarterback situation. Keaton didn't have to prove anything to me, okay? But i got to f- figure out what's behind him, okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, if you remember, uh, what was it? Um, now I'm blanking on his name. Was When Sam Darnold came in, there was another five-star quarterback, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but – Max Brown? Oh, no, no. Um, oh, gosh. Whittick? No. Whittick? This is, okay, this is going to uh, – well, whatever. So two quarterbacks come in. I'll, I'll get I'll get it for you in a second. And the one comes in the spring. Sam Darnold doesn't come in the fall. Does better in the summer. Really just beats him out, and he ends up transferring. Uh, and the other quarterback ends up transferring out. So if one of the two freshman quarterbacks, like you mentioned, Coach, does a lot better in the spring – I mean, maybe they don't, they're not even long for the program. You don't want to see something like that. I, it probably doesn't happen, but that's happened before. No, you're exactly right. That's why I'm saying they've got the feel. They're both given an opportunity, and they both got to say, well, it's even, or he's a little bit ahead of me, but in the fall I can come back. You don't want to have one of them say, I'm transferring because I didn't get my chances or, you know, this or that. Find a reason. So it's very touchy when you have two competitive kids that have been very successful come in at the same time because as you see around the country a lot of quarterbacks do transfer and they do very well so you've got to make sure you really handle this properly 
and uh, you do it right, and you give them the opportunity to be good, and and uh, if one of them isn't as sharp as the other one, it's not your fault. It's because he found out he couldn't play there or compete with that level. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the running back situation a little bit, Coach. What are uh, as far as looking there? There's uh, Keontae Ingram is a junior transfer. You still got Vavai Malapai. Still got Stephen Carr, uh, former walk-on Quincy Jonte, still on the the roster. Uh, Keaton Christians, a sophomore, again, the speedster, but you also have Brandon Campbell coming in. So six six uh, running backs, a little deeper of a class than what we've seen in the past. Well, I think there's one or two backs that don't have to prove themselves. I don't think Malapai has to prove himself. I think you have to have him get through a healthy spring. He's got to get through a healthy spring and be ready to go. I think he, to me, I him and Carr the starting quarterbacks. I think uh, Ingram, uh, uh, he's got to pay his dues, but I want to throw him in there to just find out how good he really is. Uh, get Let him have his turns so that I didn't make a mistake in bringing in somebody that couldn't play. And, and the young kid from San Diego, uh, I think that we've got to find a way to play him somewhere. Uh, he's a great player. He, he, he just might say, I'm going to run track. Uh, unless he gets an opportunity, because he's a pretty good track player. I think he was a state champion in 100 and 200 meters. So you got to make sure you give these kids an opportunity, you know. And and uh, yeah, you took this kid out of Texas, but he's got to prove himself too that he's better than these others. And uh, right now, he would be probably third or fourth in my depth chart until I until he proved to the kids that were there or proved to me as a coach that he's better because these kids want to see, hey, if I'm as good as they are, you're going to respect me. I've been here a long time. you got to get missed turns. Don't get me wrong, but you recruited him. You're the one that made the decision to bring him in. But right now, uh, my returning people, I've got to respect them as far as somebody who has been loyal to our program from the beginning. Yeah, that's you know, you got to reward that loyalty. So it'll be fun to watch. There's usually guys hurt all the time, so you want to see – how they all perform, uh, but you're always going to look at the new guy because you've seen the other guys before. Um, wide receiver group, pretty deep. Uh, obviously, Amon Arce Brown, Tyler Vaughns, they're gone. A lot of youngsters uh, on the roster, uh, a whole bunch of freshmen, one, two, three, four, five, seven freshmen, three sophomores, and you have the one senior in uh, Katie Nixon. I mean, Drake London's the returning star. Um, still, you know, you know, there's... Brew McCoy, what are we gonna see from him? I uh, won't see Kyle Ford, um, but we'll, you know, we'll should see him in the in the fall. But what are your thoughts on this uh, group of wide receivers, Coach? Well, I think you have a great group group of receivers, and again, I think you have to uh, see who are who are the very best. I mean, McCoy, Ford, these kids are five star players, and uh, I'm impressed with McCoy. I think he could be a great player. Now, Nixon, I got to find out if he can play. I'll tell you that I got to find out from the beginning because I'm bringing in the guy. I got Gary Bryant, some of these other guys saying, "Who's this guy?" You know, so he's got to convince them that he's 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 better. So you know, he's we're going to have to watch him and see how good he really is. And if he's really the best, the kids know who really the best is. I've always said this on all of my shows. If I let everybody else decide who the best were that played another position. I'd have my best 11 players on the field because they all want to win. So they all know, and they've got to earn their positions because they've got a great group of receivers there. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, very competitive. I mean, I I thought last spring John Jackson had a great spring, but didn't get a lot of playing time. Why? Because of Tyler Vaughn and Brown and London had such a great year. My gosh. So, you know, London's more or less uh, has uh, emerged – as the key guy, you know, was a tight end. He's the key guy now, the slot receiver, put him outside, tough, fights for every inch, uh, brings a real competitive edge to the receivers as far as he challenges the defense. I mean, they don't like to tackle him. He doesn't go down easily. So, you know, he has to bring that spirit to the rest of the receivers so they play the same way. Uh, I don't know what you call the tight ends now as far as receivers or tight ends or blockers. But again, they have to demonstrate with a tight end coach exactly how they're going to be utilized within the offense that USC is running. Are they going to be a blocker? Are they going to be a receiver? 
what are they going to be? So I think that's something I'll be looking at again in the spring. Yeah, you mentioned the tight ends. Another thing where you have four freshmen, but you know, a couple of seniors and Josh Follow and Eric Cromenhoek. Do we see the athleticism from Follow that we thought we'd see before? Um, you know, you got like you know Lake McCree uh, coming in. Uh, you know, Jude Wolf, Ethan Ray, and how are they used? Uh, are they going to be? more involved in the the passing game or are they just going to be blockers are they going to be uh flexed out a lot or, or you know h backs and coming out of the backfield i'm you know that's i it's more about the people just about how are the tight ends going to be used is what i want to see you're exactly right you don't want to have tendencies either you know when you get in certain formation tendencies people know what you do and what you don't do and if you don't use the same people all the time then again you start to have uh tendencies as far as this is what they do out of this set and this is why they're here and they bring them across the block for the the power or they do this and they run a uh, an out quick out with him and they do this and all these different things so you have with different sets different formations you do different things because everybody's in the game for a different reason so you got to be very careful in doing that you know i've always said that my tight end is a tight end at six six 260 pounds that blocks like a bulldozer and when he's into the open area to catch a pass he's a tank that nobody wants to tackle and that's what I consider a tight end but in the philosophy of this offense it's a little bit different and you know I've always said you could use two backs in this offense at times and replace the H back and have a a better athlete on the field but again uh, you know, they've got to do what they have to do in their philosophy, and basically a a tight end and a running back at USC currently in the past has been a blocker, not a not the position that they're called, tight end receiver or running back. All right, so we'll watch those guys a little bit this spring, of course. The offensive line, um, where what are they going to do at left tackle? Who's going to take? Elijah Fair Tucker's place. We thought last year, who's going to take Austin Jackson's place and they end up moving someone. Are they going to move Jalen McKenzie over? Clay Hilton mentioned that they could potentially do that. Do one of the, the young guys come up? Is it a Cortland Ford or uh, Jonah Monheim or, you know, Casey Collier? Who's going to come in and be that guy and take over the left tackle spot? So you have Clay McGuire, the new offensive line coach is his philosophy is going to be significantly different or the splits going to be wider. Like, I don't know you're an offensive line expert coach. So I want to get your thoughts on looking at this offensive line in the spring. Well, it depends on the philosophy of what they're going to do as far as uh, with their line splits. Are they all going to be the same? Are they going to vary them on different situations on different plays? I used to have them uh, experiment a lot uh, as far as if the play was to the right, I'd allow the guy on the left side to do any type of split they wanted to see what they do, how far they go out or, or how far they'd come in so that they would know and understand exactly where the guy would line up on him as far as if he needed to take advantage of where his splits were. So I think you can do a lot of that when you have a standardized split then you really don't experiment much on exactly what someone will do or line up uh, as far as on you when you need to know where he's going to be in a certain defense. So we used to do a lot of that. I don't want to get into all those techniques, but I'll tell you, I would try to keep my McKinsey and that line that we had last year exactly like it is. I'd like to find a left tackle. This kid, Corlin Ford, I think I I liked him. He played uh, somewhat. I had a chance to see him, but not a lot of reps. If you give your two best young tackles, two best young tackles, long arms, quick feet, bring them along in the spring, you're far better off keeping your offensive line in place of where they're used to playing and working with each other as a unit and bring the young guy along on the left side. Because they're big guys. And uh, if you coach them up, I think you'll have them around for two or three years if you can get one of them to play. And uh, and if he... If you find two of them to get play, then you're going to have two tackles the next year. So you've got to have confidence in your recruits on who you brought in that somebody can play that. You don't always have to move somebody. 
I mean, let's recruit guys that can play that position and let's teach them how to play it so he's going to be around a while. Not every year have to move somebody to that position. So I would try to keep everything the way it was, because all alignment are returning except for the left tackle, and develop it from there. But that would be my philosophy. Can I find a guy to play that position? Can I find a guy that we've recruited at 6'6 or 6'7, like some of these guys are, 300 pounds? If I recruited right, I can find one guy that can play that position. And that would be my goal as far as an offensive line coach. I would want to know, hey, i got to find a guy that can play here because I don't want to disrupt my entire line because of it. Yeah. All right, well, let's look at the uh, defensive side of the ball. Um, looking at, maybe let's start with a defensive line coach. And, um, you know, you have uh, no more... You know, Jay Tefele, you know, he was you know, transferred. Uh, you know, he opted out of what's going on. Marlon Tui-Pelotu. But you got, you know, Brandon Peely's back. Uh, Caleb Tremblay. You know, some veterans like Nick Figueroa and Jacob Lichtenstein. Uh, we saw some interesting things from Tuli Tui-Pelotu. Obviously, you know, you got Corey Foreman coming in. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Is there... Some area, the transfer, Ishmael Softshire, um, but he's uh, he had, compart- I believe it was compart- compartmental syndrome and wasn't going to be available. Uh, we won't see Foreman uh, in the spring, but you know, some of the veteran guys, uh, they're going to be out there. I don't know, maybe you see more Kobe Pepe or Dijon Benton. Um, anyone or anything in this group you're particularly looking forward to? Yeah, I- I'm looking forward to having the players on the field. I mean, you got some players on the field last year that weren't playing until somebody got hurt, and they came out playing pretty good. They really became pretty good players at the end of the year. They flew around and were making some plays, I'm telling you. And uh, I also would, uh, I'm going to look pretty closely to see where they're playing the, the big man who they were dropping him back in pass coverages. Uh, I think he should be on the line of scrimmage and being a force like Leonard Williams was somewhere causing havoc on the other side of the line of scrimmage, whether it's run or pass, just uh, not dropping back and take him out of his position of what his great ability is that putting pressure on the offense. I, I, I just still have not understood that whatsoever. When Foreman comes in too, I want to see him both doing that not dropping back. I want to see both these guys getting after somebody where the guy knows they're coming. And they say, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And he keeps them in the uh, pocket, and they force them up to the tackles and let your backers cover people in the flat and run down the sideline with guys and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, play some physical type of football. I mean, uh, you know, line up in a basic defense that I'm going to kick you know what. So don't even come my way. Don't even have a, a thinking that you're going to do that because I'm going to hurt you. And I'm not talking about dirty club, uh, you know. I'm talking about, hey, you're not going to mess on my side of the line of scrimmage. And you're not going to go on the other side of the line of scrimmage where they got that guy over there. And they got this guy over here. And they got these guys where, you know, you're going to put them in a lot of third and longs. And then uh, they have to play into your hands. And as far as the secondary is concerned, I think they got some athletes there. And I think that they get them to play, and I think they're doing a good job of coaching them. I think you got great potential. But again, you know, you got to believe that you got to teach them how to do it the hard way first. And the hard way is not making it easy to blitz here and do that and do all these different things by confusing the offense. You do that later. You teach them how to be football players first as far as hey, man, I'm not going to make it easy on you. You stop them by not me having to blitz and do different things. And once they learn that they play hard and they're able to do that, then you can throw in something to make it a little bit easier for them. But I'm not going to make it easy for anybody on the defensive side of the football. And I know when you play man, you can't cover all day, but that puts more pressure on your guys up front to get after the quarterback. And one thing I'm concerned with, too, as far as on the defensive side of the football, is how much should they get to see the run to get better. So unless the offense is really going to run the football from a pistol and different type of sets and have counters and reverses and 
jet sweeps and all these different things, how does the defense get better? But those are the things you're going to see. So you've got to be able to see it to be able to practice against it full speed, ones against ones, because that's how you become a better football team. So a lot of it on the defensive side of the football, I want to see the right personnel out there using the right position and the right techniques. That's why you recruit them. I love it, Coach. You're talking the defensive line and just go a whole defense on us. That's great. Uh, oh, that's good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But, we, you know, you mentioned Drake Jackson, and I would like to see him just, you know, not dropping back as much and not, see what his weight is. He's We have him listed with the, you know, the outside linebackers, guys like Hunter Eccles and, you know, Juliano Falanico. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, as far as the inside linebacker stuff go, the whole linebacker group, I mean – you know, Jordan Isefa, you know, the health concerns there he's had over the years. Can I Malga? Uh, will we see Solomon Tuialapupu? Um, there's, I mean, there's got, you know, we saw some Raymond Scott there. We saw, you know, Raylan Goforth uh, play pretty well. We mentioned Julian Simon coming in, um, you know, Elijah Winston, some guys that were banged up. And it seemed like there was a whole bunch of inside linebackers and there was not, you know, there wasn't that many. Um, but, Pretty, uh, you know, pretty veteran group, I guess you could say, with the, with the linebackers. Anything you're looking uh, from guys in that group? Well, let me tell you, I don't think, you know, you look at the linebackers, the rest of the conference. Now, who has better linebackers than the rest of the conference? When you look at recruiting and everybody, Arizona State, of course, has got their share. Oregon's got their share. But who has more depth? You know, everybody talks, oh, we're down a little bit in linebacker. We don't have this. Who has the better linebackers? I mean, as a group, Oregon's got a lot because they play, and they're getting another good one here uh, in the fall. So, you know, they they got some players, and, and some others have players. But if these guys are who they were when they recruited them, then the other guys, if they're beating you, and they're getting three stars, and they're beating you with their linebackers. They're doing a better job of evaluating players and a better job of coaching them. I tell you, this kid that came in, what's what's 26's name? They play linebacker after everybody got hurt. Hey, man, that guy loves a game of football as a linebacker at the end of the year. Man, he was hammering you, man. He was driving in stakes with a hammer. So, you know, you know, you got to find the right guys that fit the mentality of what your philosophy is, your defense, because there's nobody in the conference. I mean, yeah, there are. They have great players in the conference. But let's get them in the right position at the right time and turn them loose, man. I used to say on defense, it's time now to, you know, I can't say it on the air, but it's time now to get after it, guys. Show me what you can do. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun on the deep. Football defense is fun, okay? Football, you fly around and you get the football and uh, knock people down. I mean, how can it be any more fun than that? That sounds fun to me. Um, yeah, you're talking about Kanai Malga. So he uh, he got some more run, like you said, later in the season. Um, well, he was making, wasn't he making like 10, 15 tackles a game at the end there of the was, year? Yeah, he had some some pretty big ones there. Oh yeah. Uh, now secondary, obviously there's some, you know, some key losses there. Uh, you know, you, you got a captain, uh, a couple of captains. Um, you know, it tell no funga, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big loss, uh, as far as, you know, being a leader, but you still have another captain and Isaiah Polamau coming back, which is good. You lose Elijah Griffin. Um, but there's, I mean, you got eight cornerbacks on the roster, coach. You got eleven safeties. Um, Micah Kroom was a transfer from Dartmouth. He's put on scholarship now, uh, so we didn't really get to see much of him. But you know, Greg Johnson, Chase Williams, Isaac Taylor Stewart, Chris Steele. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of guys here. You know, Max Williams. You could see a bunch from with experience. It's just the kind of couple of the leaders are gone and who kind of steps up and, and fills those voids is what we're going to watch. Exactly. And if they can't get it done, you recruit the wrong people. Okay. And coach them up now, you know, Williams, Williams is a good coach and a good recruiter. you got some great DBs coming in. If you have to play all freshmen, play all freshmen, but get your best players on the field, let them play and uh, have some fun in your opening game. 
I mean, you got to get ready for that. But then, you know, you've got a conference game right after that. You got to be ready to play. And the only way you get, you get ready to play is you play in the spring, and you play in the fall camp. And and really, I'm really looking forward to seeing just how physical. You know, I'd like to ask coach when he talks about we're going to be physical. And I don't ask questions. You know that with coach. I respect him. I uh, I listen to sometimes the press conferences, but I never ask a question. What is his term and how he would explain physical? What is physical to him? What does that mean? Uh, I mean, I'd like to break down the word and the term rather than you just hear you say it. So, you know, that's or, or I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, okay, what does that mean? These are the things that I really like to hear Coach talk about because those are the things he continually says, yet I don't see some of that stuff, and I want to know how you are going to do that and what does that mean to you. That's what I'm saying. You want to see the secondary be more physical is what you want to mean or what, what Clay Helton means by that? Yes, I want to know what the word means to him. Yeah, I mean uh... – well, when you say physical, what's that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, you think about toughness and you think about pushing, you know, the limits of what you want to do, imposing your will and making it, like you said, when the tight end, you don't want them to be, you want to, the defense doesn't want to tackle them. If the tight end, you're like Gronk out there and you're being physical you're lower in the shoulder when you're about to get hit and you make that DB think about doing it again, you're imposing your will physically on another human being. And I, that, that's what I think of when you're talking about being physical. Right. And I'd like to ask him the same thing, because he uses the term, we're going to be physical. We're going to do this. What does that mean? Does that mean when it's fourth down and six, we're going to just blow you out. We're just, we're tougher than you. We're stronger than you. And we're not going to be stopped. And what does that mean? And how do you get there? You know, saying the word physical doesn't make you physical. Practicing physically and knowing what physical is, when you get hit, you hit back, is what it is. It's not called bully. It's talk winning and what it is. I like to find out what the word physical means when he uses it. Well, maybe we'll ask him that, Coach, for you. And, uh, get get the get the response but you're right like we haven't seen the practices that we've seen have tended to be on the less than physical side but if you talk about physical that means you're doing more Oklahoma drills you're doing more full tackling that's to me that's what that would equate to if if that's what you're getting at we just haven't seen that at practice so now we get to watch some practices maybe we'll we'll see more of that in the old days when John McKay was there and so on you talked about training table and you talked about being physical. In those days, only the first and second team had training table. I don't know if you know that. So every practice meant if I don't have a good practice, I might not eat. So physical means maintaining your position and you're the best or someone's going to take it from you. So you don't have a bad practice. You know, that's what the way champions are built now today it's a different game as far as scholarships and number of money and the training table but i'm telling you there's other ways that say hey man there's no dessert <laughs> i don't know coach this is it's a different <laughs> different era that right? you might get a lot of complaints <laughs> if you took away a guy's cookie i'm not sure <laughs> Well, you know, how else better can I explain it? Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. Do you want, there's gonna, you know, even just in the film room, if you're talking, you're having a physical period, whatever it is, it could be a blocking drill between running backs and linebackers or something. And, you know, maybe one of the running backs doesn't seem all that interested in, in blocking uh, Isaiah Polamau or, or Kanai Maga or somebody coming in. And he doesn't put in a lot of effort. And that's shown in the position group or with the whole team. And, hey, we want a physical practice. I get you want to run the football. I want you to stick your nose in there and block this guy when we ask you to do it. And that's 
being physical, and that's what we want to see on our team and motivate a guy that way. I don't know. I'm, I'm, but like you said, there's different ways to do it, Coach. Right. We used to do inside drill where it'd be the center, two guards, and they'd take on the linebacker and de- de- defensive guys or the odd look, and we'd just go at it and put a bag where the tackle's supposed to be, and they knew the play was coming there. Quarterback would hand the ball off, whatever it is, and we just find out what's going on. It wouldn't be just one-on-one. It'd be three-on-three, and you run within this period of area, and that's the way it goes, man. Then we go strong side, weak side. We'd put the bag. We'd all go to the right and we'd all, without, you know, uh, that strong side. Uh, and then we go weak side. That's without the tight end. We run our plays over that way. And we just run them over and over and over full speed. Then we put it all together. We have inside, outside, strong side, weak side, and then we run it again. And we do it, and we just do it over and over and over and over where they just got good at it or they didn't make it. And the same thing on the defensive side of the football because you can't learn to tackle unless you tackle full speed, okay? And, uh, you know, you can't worry about your pro career. you got to worry about what your career is right now and who's paying the bills. So you got to more or less uh, have a philosophy of you that, uh, hey, I'm making you a better football player, and we're going to be a better football team. And when we come in the spring, you're going to look forward to playing the opponent, not yourself. You're going to say, my God, I made it through the week. Now we can play the game. We'll have a break. So that's the philosophy I like, and that's the philosophy I would teach. All right. Well, Coach. Can't wait. Spring football starting up this week. We'll get to watch and uh, see what's going on and look forward to seeing out there again. Feel a little bit more normal, but thanks again for giving your insights and uh, we'll see you out there soon. All right, guys, uh, you be careful out there. Happy Easter, everyone. Okay. And, and we'll be back with you next week. Sounds good. Everyone else. Thank you so much for listening to the Peristyle podcast. Should have some more shows this week. There'll be some basketball ones too. Keely and I'll do a, uh, a show again also we'll kind of give you some kind of recap of what we saw the first day of spring football and all that but we'll uh we'll be back out here uh for the rest of the week doing podcasts so stay tuned to that make sure you check out uscfootball.com for everything going on uh with the usc athletic department thanks for to coach harvey hyde thanks to all of you for listening and we will talk to you next time the rose bowl legacy foundation preserves protects and enhances the future of the rose bowl stadium as a national historic landmark America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire, 2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 